Hey guys, it's Amanda again. I'm so excited for this episode of the Designer Soup Podcast. I'm going to take you with me to the Dominion Lighting Showroom in lovely Arlington, Virginia, right outside of our nation's capital. About a month ago, I decided to pop into this showroom. I noticed it had a big renovation and rebranding when I drove past it on my way to get some coffee. So I had been to the Dominion Lighting Showroom once before and I was curious to see how much this changed. So it was a local electric and lighting place um, and I was really curious. So when I arrived there, let's just say it changed a lot. <laughs> so. Today, we are interviewing Matt Rowan, Vice President of Residential Lighting and also ACID member of Dominion Lighting Showroom. During my visit to this new showroom, I was touring around the place with the representative Amanda, who is lovely, and she was showing me around through the space, and she noticed how much I was really taking in the design of the showroom and really acknowledging it and appreciating it, and she said, well, you wanna know what? If you like it this much, then you should meet the person that designed it. He's here today. So, lo and behold, Matt was actually in the showroom as I was in the showroom as well. So, we met up, all three of us, we started talking and we just started nerding out about design and what had gone into this showroom um, as much as we could, you know, just in the introduction of, of meeting each other for the first time. But that's when I was like, I have to see more behind Matt Rowan and this design of the showroom at Dominion Lighting. So here we are today at Dominion Lighting Showroom with Matt, the mastermind. Welcome everyone to the Designer Suit Podcast. I have in front of me Matt Rowan of Dominion Lighting. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got Brian in the background. Uh, you know he's that audio engineer. Um, so Matt, um, Vice President of Dominion Residential Lighting. Yep. Um, I had got a couple. Um, points from you kind of in your background and um, I remember stumbling into the showroom and I was just like blown away so Amanda um, was taking me around on a tour kind of showing me and I had come into this space pre mat mm. if, if you know what I mean yep. so I came in and it was definitely stuck in a era of time mm. so I was like okay this is you know a, a typical lighting store it's you know kind of mid-century you know mm -hmm. but the lights that they had in there didn't kind of match like the architecture mm -hmm. and so I was like really confused I'm like wow they have really good lights in here but um so I was very interested to see the change so we're here to talk about you today mm -hmm. and then how you kind of make that change happen okay so tell us a little bit about yourself so um Lighting has weirdly always been my thing, you know, it's, yeah. um, I think even from being a little kid, my parents were always telling me stories about how I would always build these block cities and I would be stealing all the flashlights from the house and running down the batteries because I would love to uplight them. You know, I was, I was very picky about that sort of thing. And then, you know, I, the Christmas lights never really went away. I would always steal them for other stuff. Um, so I had that kind of thing into my background. I was always very sensitive to design, um, and I think I got a little off course when I was going to undergrad um, because I was trying to be responsible and I ended up kind of 
starting off pre-med, but I spent all my time in the design library um, reading magazines. And I realized that you have to do something that you love. So it kind of brings me to Dominion. So my background is industrial design. Um, it's a branch of it called environmental design, which is actually the design of a complete environment, not just an object. Nice. Um, and so that actually brought me through like interior design and all that sort of stuff. And then I ended up at the global design firm Gensler um, running a studio of specialty designers. So we are industrial designers, graphic designers, environmental graphic designers, which is graphics in space, signage and wayfinding, product designers, like all those people who have the really high touch sort of things that they do. And Dominion came to us saying, we need to reinvent ourselves. Um, the CEO, um, who is the son-in-law of one of the owners, um, had come in and been there for a few years and realized that the lighting side of stuff did not match the direction that the industry was going. And if we didn't change, um, that was going to die. Mm. And so he came to us and actually said, and this is the thing that we love as designers to hear, just completely reinvent everything, throw everything out, um, start from the beginning and build it back up from a sense of purpose. And that was music to our ears because, yeah. you know, frequently you'll come in and you get these design briefs that are kind of limiting um, where they're like, I just want to do this one portion. I want to do this other portion to have someone come in and say, we want you to start with where our, our, our customers' mindsets are and build from there is is kind of a, uh, a huge opportunity. So we did that. And then at the final kind of schematic design presentation, he took me aside and asked me if I wanted to run the business. Well, actually, that's not true. He, he, <laughs> he, he first said, he was very subtle. He said, you know, I'm looking for someone to run the business. And um, my response, I'm stupid with this stuff, um, was, oh, yeah, let me think about people that I know. And he's like, no, 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 you. Um, so I actually <laughs> turned him down on the dime um, because I had come fairly freshly into Gensler. I tend to apparently get hired by my clients. Uh, I was at Gensler before. Capital One was my client. I, Capital One pulled me over to their side. Right. With the... Uh, the um, cafes. The cafes. Yeah. 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 Which was another, you know, it was another awesome opportunity to do something completely new. No yeah. one had ever seen that sort of thing out there. And I don't think there's really as much as much of a kind of a parallel. And they continue to evolve it now. They're going into um, airports, things like that. Oh, wow, um, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it, it's very cool. And I think it was... It, that again was kind of my sweet spot because it was rethinking, you know, their whole thing is reimagining banking. And for them, um, it was throw, throw everything out and rethink kind of what we want this space to be. And for me, that was a huge attraction. And then kind of worked on that for a while, did kind of the first rollout of all the new prototypes. And then um, Gensler pulled me back to actually run the studio that I was a part of so that, you know, here I was at the studio had kind of like freshly come back in, been there for like a couple of years. This was my family. Yeah. I love these guys. Um, and uh, I didn't really want to leave them. Right. But you don't get an opportunity like this when you're working in a design agency to live in your design and to continue to iterate it um, yeah. and grow it and kind of sit there almost like um, kind of a someone in a lab and watch how people interact just down to the micro stuff on a day-to-day -day basis. And adjust and adjust and adjust. And that's that's a big part of the overall sort of design thinking process, which is you iterate. You know, you, you, you come up with a hypothesis. You kind of create a prototype. Mm -hmm. You test it. You adjust. You test, adjust. This just allowed me to draw that process out more and actually, like, focus on one project as opposed to, like, 13 clients at a time. Right. And kind of own it. And that's an opportunity that you never get. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it was huge for me. Um, and so, you know, having the, the vision that the CEO did for 
completely gutting the space and coming up with something completely new that we were able to bring and make it just so very kind of designer-focused, client-focused, builder-focused, um, something that was aspirational that no one had ever seen in this area mm-hmm. was huge for us. Yeah, and I think it's huge, like you said, like you work with client facing and yep. you're really good at that. And another thing you had mentioned was you're extremely keen on sensory abilities and the sensory notions. Mm-hmm. And so like when, when I uh, mentioned that it came into the space and that it was completely new, I was like, there's more layers to this space than I'm even seeing with my eyes right now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting these feelings and this, this nature of the space that was just a complete 360. And my experience was... N- Definitely not like the experience it was last time I had entered in. So um, I guess like um, for the space, I had mentioned to you that it was like kind of walking through a garden, a lighting Mm -hmm. garden. Mm -hmm. Um, What were kind of like your key takeaways or key concepts that that you had in developing the showroom? So a big overarching thing, and this is part of, you know, design, is that we have to start getting away from selling things and sell an experience. And for us in particular, we realized that we had to sell the idea of... um, expertise um, and kind of be the lighting Sherpa, regardless of who our clients might be. You know, we, at the very beginning of the process, we created what we call personas. And it's essentially a psychographic of our three uh, primary audience members, um, our retail shoppers, our designers, and our builders. They all have very different things that they kind of want. But one of the biggest things that really came out of it that was a common thread was they want to be inspired. Um, and they want to feel as if they have someone who is an expert behind them to get them what it was that they needed, whether it be, you know, for designers impressing clients and, set, and setting a stage for a, uh, an idea of um, expertise and trust. Um, for our retail customers, it's having a space that inspires them and kind of makes them push what they were originally coming in for. A lot of people will come in just for a bath bar and then they see the space and they're all of a sudden like, I just want my whole, my whole house to look like this. Um, and I think that's a, you know, that's a huge thing, that level of inspiration, not clutter and not a whole bunch of stuff that's out yeah. there because that's what our retail clients are fighting against. There's a lot of clutter out there in the world. Yeah. And they know, you know, they have decision paralysis. There's just so many, like thousands of options. They don't know which way to go. And, yeah. they, you know, they need to have someone to kind of, push through, figure out what it is that they really want, and then start to give them some very educated um, recommendations. So the space itself actually starts that process before we even start. Um, there is, you know, very curated collections. We have a lot of white space in between them, so you can really focus on the fixtures. You can walk around. You have a sense of kind of breathing room, um, which we didn't have in the old space. You know, it was the traditional lighting store where everything's... Yes. You can't see anything, Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. So, I, I, all I saw was lights, and I didn't know where the paths were. Yeah, well, there was no path. Yeah. And, and everything was too low. For those of us who were taller, oh, yeah. it's, oh, gosh. it's craning your uh, neck. From a six-foot-tall person, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, it, it, you actually key into like a really important thing, too. You know, the sense of a path. You know, that was something that we built into the space, understanding that we had to deal with two entry points. We have kind of this big runway that goes through the space and connects those. We weren't going to try to um, override that. That was part of the design brief. We had to accept it and embrace it. Mm. So we use that as this kind of runway for people to orient themselves when they're in the space. It's very open. It has the um, the indirect uh, RGB TW, that's red, green, blue, tunable white um, LED lighting okay. um, in coves, which we do use as a demonstration. Um, and it is important to note that every single square inch of the space is uh, a demonstration, demonstration opportunity. So even back to the executive... Um, Offices in the back, we use those to demonstrate different lighting principles to our um, to our customers when they come in. 
I think one of the biggest things that you actually said was the idea of clutter and not being able to see things. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting quote from our um, our CEO when he walked through the space after we had kind of gotten everything together, started putting fixtures out in the space. He had said, when I was going through the old space, I didn't want to buy anything. I wasn't interested in any of the fixtures that were out there. But now when I'm in this space, I want to buy everything. I love it. Yeah. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, 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 that's, yeah. that's what I want to hear. Right. Um, but I think the I think the thing that's so that was so compelling about that, and I loved being able to give him this answer, is like you know, these are all the same fixtures from before. We hadn't actually gotten our shipment of our new uh, product that we'd purchased specifically for the showroom. This was all the stuff that we had handpicked from the old showroom and brought into the space. So he was seeing these old fixtures that he didn't want to buy. Wow. In a completely new context, and now he felt like he did want to buy it, and that's where we wanted to be. Wow, that is incredibly impactful. And like the fact that this, this to me, the more you speak about it, it kind of seems like this is a lighting showroom, it's like a destination mm-hmm. instead of just like a, a lighting showroom that's taking up space. You have actually. You know, kind of formed it more into a place and mm-hmm. where people can come um, from all aspects of the built environment or even artists, um, which, which I, you know, I was even getting familiar with an artist that um, yeah, was David. around. Yeah, David uh, Carlson in, in the showroom, uh, a beautiful abstract artist. And, you know, how uncanny is that? Like um, art uh, and pigments and lighting, you know, is is such a um, complementary thing to one another. And mm-hmm. to have that extra element, something like super human you know just something familiar uh, is just super impressive like it's insane um and it is important i think for for me to create you know sort of like what we did for capital and create something completely new right understanding that the the key component here is experience um and how you see kind of everything come together but i think it's also very much about embracing the idea of design and art Mm -hmm. and the intersection of all those things together you know that happens with the fixtures but it certainly happens within the spaces that are that our clients and designers see so if we're going to create something that's inspiring it has to be a beautiful space with beautiful artwork and it's an opportunity for us to really engage with the design community with our target audiences um, and I think the more that we can elevate local artists as well give them a platform that they wouldn't otherwise have we have people that are coming to the space for the artwork and they happen to see the lighting and get inspired and vice versa mm. we give um, you know folks that otherwise wouldn't have the same platform all this visibility with people who would never really even consider going out to a local art gallery yeah um, so for me it's as much as this is about kind of creating a business that's successful, it's also about the idea of elevating the art and design conversation out in the world. The more that we can do that, the more we as designers feel as if we've done our duty of making the world work better and more beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. To truly have like a a purpose in something that's truly human centered Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, trying so hard to be authentic and wondering how it's not working Mm -hmm. and you're kind of losing sight of the purpose. But you guys have like nailed the purpose so good. (laughs) Like it's (laughs) it's honestly the best. And I just I just feel like you're this showroom. Um, is making lighting less scary, like Mm -hmm. making um, everything associated with lighting less scary. Because with lighting, sometimes the more you get into it, the more um, you do kind of get paralyzed because Mm -hmm. you're like, oh my God, what are you talking about? Oh, Kelvins and Looms, Lumens, like Mm -hmm. what are you talking about? And, you know, should I go, you know, uh, this uh, high on the Kelvin scale or this low or or should I mix? And Mm -hmm. um, you can see that. And like you said, be interactive in this space. And I think that alone is one of the key points to, to have a showroom like this. It's, you know, 
it's it's awesome. Um, well, and it is one of those big principles too, particularly for us as designers. We we live in a world where we can envision stuff really easily in kind of the mind's eye, right? Yeah. We're able to put all these things together, and we feel comfortable with that. A lot of people aren't. Um, so it's incredibly important, and it sounds like a cliche to say, but to show it, not say it. And once we're able to show, you know, and, and in discrete little nibble pieces within the showroom, some of these principles, people will start to be able to get it. So, you know, the light lab that we're sitting in right now is incredibly helpful for us to show just the visceral feeling of light. We actually have programmed three different scenes. First one is an approximation of what we would say is kind of our our builder grade sort of house it's like this is probably what you have right now this mm -hmm. is what it looks and feels like then you know with some voice commands i'm not going to activate her because if i that say that was really name, cool yeah 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 no i did that <laughs> i actually. did that <laughs> i know i was it was a total flex too when i was right. walking in here i was like hey guys check this out no no big deal oh that was stunning yeah. right um but to be able to change it with that and then all of a sudden people can feel what that light does to them. You know, as much as the outside space is like a gallery for the object of the lighting fixtures, this is about the feeling of it. And kind of once you get that visceral reaction, there's that aha moment where you're just like, oh, I get it now. I I, I want this. Yeah. Um, I can talk as much as I want about the idea of lighting. People don't buy it until they feel it for themselves. Yeah. And so, you know, so we kind of do this in here, then we walk them around to the um, the, the different color temperatures that we're showing. So we th show them um, all against each other um, with the same piece of artwork um, so people can see the way that it renders color. And so I can start to talk about the idea of color temperature being the song and intensity, you know, how much is there is the, the volume knob. And once people kind of get that, they're like, oh, I can, I can see it right now. I understand the importance of matching color temperature. You know, I can describe the fact that if you go too high with a color temperature, you're confusing your body and you're telling the body that it is high noon and it's time to be as most like active. Um, we know actually for a fact that lighting can contribute to mental illness with seasonal affective disorder. It is an entirely light-based illness um, that occurs to some of us during the winter. Yeah. And the treatment for that is light. Um, so I think it, you know, just taking that that more concentrated extreme kind of case study of what lighting does yeah. and just saying that it all, it affects us all the time. We just don't happen to know it does. That thing that we as designers always strive for is that we're all sensing the same things, the difference between us and someone who hasn't been trained in it is we can articulate it and we can say why and then we can take that why and, and put it into something better yeah and th that's a huge strength of of designers and why uh, designers are so necessary um i think it's a huge field that is always struggling to uh preach their value you mm -hmm. know what i mean mm -hmm. but you know the more the more you you know uh work with people like yourself and realize like oh my gosh like this person just solved so many problems and potentially so many underlying problems mm -hmm. that you, they didn't even know so you know if you don't experience it right then and there um it's a different feeling because you just sensed it rather than us sitting down at a table <clears throat> and just like, you know, kind of like studying for a test. Like, you know, you, this is this and you need to know this. And it's all like, oh my gosh, this isn't even making sense to me because you have n no sense yep. to um, parallel it to or to mm -hmm. connect it to. Cause our minds are always, um, you know, I always like to talk about common sense, but mm -hmm. like um, you don't, you won't have that common sense if you don't have the same common experiences. And so like you can't, pair something to it mm -hmm. so it's funny how that 
carries over into design with all of these sensory experiences. I mean, even even I felt calmer when I came into the showroom. <laughs> and then you told me later on that there's actually uh, essential oils that are, mm -hmm. are emitted into the space. And I was just like, wow. And I would have I would have never known. And it's it's that thing that you're because our bodies are so smart. Mm -hmm. And so there's so many, you know, uh, you know, physical properties to us that we don't even understand. That's why we go to the doctor, you know what I mean? You're the lighting doctor in this, right. in this cir cir uh, circumstance. But um, yeah, sometimes we just don't know what's going to make us feel better because it's, it's so intense and it's so much for people to understand. So when a designer like yourself comes in and problem solves and just pushes the envelope on things, when things don't make sense to maybe even the people in, in the round table that you're talking to at first, you know, um, I think that that's super rad. And one of the things that you said is um, Dominion actually turned out with, with your path of, you know, um, basically, you know, playing with the Legos, um, going pre-med <laughs> and then saying, no, I, I really like these design magazines. And it pushed you into a completely different career. And then, um, you know, you go through Gensler and then now you're at Dominion and that's kind of, for me, like you have a good sense of direction intuitively for yourself. Cause that, you know, when you told me the Lego story, I was like, wow, like that is something that connects like, uh, psychologically all the way through life, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's really important to kind of look at your, you know, your life experiences and put that towards like what you can do best to help the environment and help, mm -hmm. you know, envi with environmental design and, mm -hmm. um, stuff like that and like this turned out to actually be your dream job and that's yep. just like fantastic and i would know? have never been able to call it i mean really i think that's the other thing too because i do kind of being this age you find yourself it's so weird to actually say this age you find yourself in an in a position of being a mentor um for a lot of younger designers for folks that i've worked with who are looking to do changes you know and i think a lot has changed in the outside world based based upon kind of how we end up taking jobs and how long we stay at jobs. It used to be kind of in our parents' and grandparents' time, you stay there just forever because that's the job that you're doing. I think for us, we have the opportunity to follow things that are better aligned with who we are. And you yeah. know, so it's not it didn't just start with me at school, but it was like, you know, me just kind of muddling my way through. I didn't have like a five year, ten year plan. I was following the opportunities that felt right but I was given the opportunities based upon the work that I was doing. Um, and so I think it's important for people to, you have to follow your passion. Yeah. We're going to be doing this stuff. We're going to be at work more hours of the day than we are at home with our loved ones and family. I mm -hmm. mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Yes. You better love it. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the love that you have for it is an effortless thing to portray. You don't have to feel about, you know, you talked about the idea of focusing on authenticity. The minute you start focusing on authenticity, you're not authentic anymore. Exactly. Right? <laughs> so, but it is one of those things where it's like, you know, the minute you try to focus on loving something, you're not actually loving it anymore. Is that yes. whole intrinsic, extrinsic motivation thing? Um, Interesting. Make sure that you love it. Mm -hmm. um, and love doesn't stay the same over time, it right? Evolves, you may yeah. love something for a couple years, and then some of that was just based on the novelty. You have to then be able to move on to the next thing because those are the things that make our designer hearts I know. happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and part of it is is change. Um, and part of it, you know, part of that change is a project. I always love a project. I love, I actually feel depressed when I don't have kind of the next project to look forward in front of me because it makes me feel kind of like aimless and lost. Yeah. Everything, uh, I'd say everything about 
my particular psychological state is based on making things better, solving problems. And if I don't have a project which is all about making things better and solving yeah. problems, it makes me sad as a designer. Wow. <laughs> so I, I mean, I encourage people to keep that in mind. Yeah. Like if you if you're bored or feeling aimless, um, really think about what it is you love and pursue it. I think right. there's so much more relevance to designers these days and so much more opportunity than there are for a lot of other professions because they're starting to get replaced by automation and technology. No one's going to be able to, to replace the creative mind because we're able to come up with these kind of oblique ideas um, and ways of looking at things and, you know, the artistic mind of pulling all this abstract stuff together and synthesizing it into something new that that's not going to be replaced by stuff online exactly you know i mean it sounds stupid to say like robots but you know that's where my mind was going (laughs) i mean you literally said a mouthful right there because a lot of people you know you kind of because in in my um uh stage in life when I was going to college I was like be a lawyer be a doctor Mm -hmm. and so um, I actually wanted to be a graphic artist Mm -hmm. a graphic designer and my dad was like oh you're not gonna make any money with that you know no (laughs) no one's really doing that right now and I'm like oh gosh you know now I'm just like I literally I even use that in my design work Mm -hmm. you know Um, and so that thing that you're being pulled to is you know your intuition like you were talking about like if I'm not doing this and I'm not happy unless your body like signaling to you you know Mm -hmm. and if we keep on ignoring these things that are um, signaling to us then you know we're kind of building things on a false structure mm-hmm. and so I believe that yeah we all think that you know it's it's scary to say like robots are gonna take my job <laughs> but it's just like your, your mind like we had said is such a powerful tool and mm-hmm. nothing will be able to you know replace that mm-hmm. so yeah definitely always you know you don't have to go into computer science if if your heart isn't there you know yeah. so yeah um there's the the built environment needs um, loving designers that have this abstract way or like kind of uh, my, my design studio is like keeping out a character. I like to see like how other things form mm-hmm. um, outside of my character. Cause like if I'm, I remain too much in character, then I, I can get too bored with myself. So I, yeah. I always go to new things all the time. Well, that's also being a great designer, right? Cause it has nothing to do with your taste or your point of view. It has everything to do with the design brief. So it, it means that a great designer is able to completely divorce themselves from it, like you know, like you're yeah, talking about, like right. you do, and just focus on the problem that needs to be solved because that's what design is: is problem yeah. solving. It's not, you know, decorating is kind of doing your own kind of like taste on things, right? Exactly. Flexing and being able to create a, you know, something that is colonial and looks ancient, and something that is ultra modern as is appropriate, is I think the testament to actually being a really, really great designer. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there, and that's honestly what my studio uh, strives to do. But I, I don't really like calling anything ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, even when you said uh, the lighting that was in this showroom was actually the exact same lighting, um, it just needed a, a better place to shine, exactly. you know? So exactly. um, that, I, I think that really brings us full circle. I mean, this is, I mean, it's crazy to say how just a showroom can produce this much information, this much background, this much uh, sense of a place, you know, like sense of place honestly and as a theory like people could come here as 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 a third space you know Mm -hmm. a third place um Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people go to coffee shops but you can bring that coffee shop essence and come here and bring your clients here and work Mm -hmm. here um and we do have coffee yeah (laughs) yeah and and tons of cool sparkling water (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, but yeah i mean 
I I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, Matt. And oh, this was you. an amazing conversation. And you guys listening, um, if you stop by uh, the Arlington location, that's where we're at. We also have uh, locations um, in Chantilly, in Chantilly, in Laurel. Yep. In Laurel. But um, you got to stop by the Arlington location. It's just rad. Um, and check it out. But thank you so much, Matt. It was thank a pleasure. You, this, and is, this is fun. Uh, and yeah. it is. I mean, it is. It is a huge joy for me to be able to talk about this stuff because it's my baby so thank you for giving me the opportunity yeah i i feel like the when i when i was talking to you when we first met i'm like i i have to hear this story <laughs> that i like i can sense someone's when someone has a deep passion because i'm like that too this this like nerd vibe comes out oh, and yeah. it, it just completely starts talking like crazy so if i can hold a conversation with someone i'm like all right you're a design nerd we need to talk yep, yep. <laughs> so i really do appreciate it and oh, you. you know i think everyone listening to this is gonna really enjoy it and spread a ton of knowledge um i know i have a lot of listeners from the design community the building community um i'm huge on the built environment mm -hmm. and so um this is a huge jump on what we can expect in this new industrial revolution you know industry 4.0 mm -hmm. and it's it's going more towards an environment and your senses and that's awesome because everyone thinks it's always tech 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 and robots but we're here to you know be the light at the end of the tunnel being like you're still needed your mind is beautiful you know so. you said light at the end of the tunnel that's like a dad joke oh god <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna. I had to call you out. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you. Listen, thank you for listening. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next time. Take care.